All our lives, we're programmed from buying into other people's beliefs and limiting views of the world, and then we make them our own truths. Extraordinary Life Podcast is here to offer new perspectives that serve you and obliterate the ones that don't. Are you going to let other people's limits hold you back from your extraordinary life? Hey, Jennifer Merrifield here. Welcome back. This is episode three of Extraordinary Life Podcast. Let's talk about the amazing power that our mindset has over how the results of our everyday life turns out. And later on at the end, I'll share whether or not I think affirmations are actually helpful or a bunch of BS. So I really want to stress that we choose our mindsets and that one bit of knowledge can change your life for the better, but only if you don't let your ego get in the way. And what I mean is that it can be a frustrating concept because to believe that we choose our mindset means that we have to take ownership of all our results, even the ones that we don't like. And we can't blame anyone else for how our life has and is unfolding. We have to take ownership of the fact that we choose what we think, which is our mindset, and that determines how we choose to move forward in the areas of our lives. Okay, so there are three mindsets, and they are victim, survivor, and thriver. Victim mindset or victim mentality is the lowest energy of them all. This is the hopeless, poor me, blame and deflect on other people. It's a very fear-based mindset to be in. It's very all alone and very dependent and codependent on other people. You find yourself saying things like, why does this always happen to me? I never get to, they are so lucky, I can't, it's hard, it's impossible, things like that. There's a lot of shallow breathing in this mindset because of anxiety or there's a lot of sadness, depression. There's a lot of looking back with regret guilt and shame, things like that, that you just feel like life happens to you. You feel defeated, like you have no control over your life. And this is when we see people staying in toxic relationships, making excuses for their abusers, uh, not even seeing them as abusers because they feel like they themselves maybe deserve it or it's not really a big deal. And the abusers themselves can also be coming from a victim mindset. Um, this is because of a lack of self-love, extreme fear of being alone or not being accepted by that person, those people, or anyone else in the future uh, if they find themselves out of that relationship. There's such a low self-esteem and low self-worth associated with with this mindset to allow and even justify poor behavior by other people. Victims can be like quiet, withdrawn, very empathetic, overly empathetic to a point where they take on other people's feelings. But on the other hand, someone uh, in a victim mindset can also really be outspoken and critical and judgmental. You can hear them complaining and blaming life, blaming other people for their problems, for little things that they have a strong sense of entitlement to. Um, they might have substance abuse issues, not seeming to know what their limits are. They just kind of need to numb, which can be a temporary fix for a while, but then ends up leading to more shame later, or can be something that accentuates or magnifies their self-loathing. This is the mindset where dependence and codependence really happens because victims feel bad all the time to some level, sometimes stronger than others, but it's always kind of lingering there. There's a real fear of being alone. So they latch onto other people 
um, and others because they don't believe in themselves to be self-sufficient. And that can be financially, emotionally, even just their basic needs. Excuse me. And you often see it in needing external validation. They need approval because they don't feel it for themselves. So they look to others to tell them they're good enough, they're valid in certain ways. People living from a victim mindset are often brilliant actors too, because for what seems like life or death reasons, they know how to be extremely charming and and appear to be very well put together. They carry themselves well and they seem very happy and content but they are in fact suffering tremendously and they don't know how to get out of it. So they have to behave like they're fine in public um, because they don't want to be called out because being a victim is a very lonely place. As far as um, you know, emotions go, it's at the very bottom of the emotions and the feeling. Um, we call it like the emotional pit where down there there's not a lot of energy movement and you know that phrase misery loves company you don't want to be alone down there and that's where the codependence happens so you try to bring other people down there with you when you when you find someone to latch on to you sort of becoming competition with each other there's a there's a a, a back and forth um, toxic thing that sort of goes on whereas survivor being the next uh energy level up is it's rising energy. It's definitely much better, Um, but it is still limited. There is a cap. The gist of a survivor mindset is getting by. And this can be fueled by things like anger and revenge or just simply frustration from being in a victim mode. But it's it's still a good thing because it's coming from a sense of optimism. I want to get further. There's forward movement. There's a determination there's definitely moving forward like I said but at this level it's often fueled by needing to prove something whether to someone else or to yourself there's a feeling of limitation to a certain level but not fully stuck like in the victim mode there's what I call fear at the ends of things so it's like you hit a ceiling and then you start over. So for example, at the beginning of the month, you get your next paycheck and then you survive for the month with a few bucks to spare. But then you get to the end and you start to run out and you start to come close to that victim place again. You're victim to your paycheck, but you're surviving it. You're you're getting to the end of the month and it's like, yes, I survived. And then now I got a new pay- paycheck and I'm starting again. But you're back in that cycle again and you're having to start over and start over. There's no peace in in knowing that there's enough. There's always that fear of lack. So um, it can be the same for surviving a surge of energy, surviving a certain project or deadline. You can survive a certain event that you're maybe not looking forward to and so on and so on. It's on the move to more doing focus, which spends our money and resources until we're depleted again. So survivor is certainly better than feeling like a victim and being dependent on others but there's always a lingering worry and lack feeling sort of going on there. Survivors are independent versus codependent or dependent. And independent is the fear, is a a fear of not having control, like in the victim mindset. It's I can do this, which is good. Um, But they often have a strong controlling tendency, which is a self-protection. You find yourself saying, I'll do it myself. I got this. I don't need anyone. That independence feels really good to be able to do. It's 
you sometimes you see people who are in a strong survivor mentality where they want to band together with other people who have the same frustrations or limits that they have and then they criticize others who have what they don't have or what they might want they feel like um they have some control but never fully get ahead and be free there's a sense of competition that comes from fear of not being good enough so instead they need to be the best or appear as the best than they actually are they tend to be what we call fence sitters so they'll sit on the fence and whoever they're talking to they'll choose that side because they can be people pleasers they need that recognition um, of you know of being good and being part of something and it creates a feeling of pride in self. Um, the thing to notice is that it's the entry point to self-love, uh, which is what we're striving for here, but it's not actually self-love because love accepts faults. Survivors strive for perfection, which is impossible. You can never get to perfection. So they can never fully relax and never fully accept or love themselves. Um, now, it's good because you're moving, but it's limiting, like I said. Being a survivor is often seen as the ultimate way to be. Like, you'll hear people being very proud of having gotten out of a life-threatening illness, an accident, an abusive situation, and say, I'm a survivor, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's really good, but it's what happens next. The harm is that is is in staying in that mode because when we recall and retell the story of surviving something and we recall and retell the pre-survivor details of the painful stuff that we got through it keeps our minds stuck and we oscillate from that victim to survivor mindset as we're talking about it and we never get to the thriving it becomes a definition of who we are we keep it close by keep retelling it and and keep bringing it into I am this because of this thing that happened so again we're seeking recognition external validation for that part of ourself so it's like if you didn't have that terrible thing that happened that you survived if you take that away then who are you anymore and that's where that's where we sometimes get stuck in the in the survivor mode and because like I said before survivor mode has ceilings and limits it's like a cycle of overexerted doing running out of energy running out of money running out of resources we dip back to the edge of victim mentality sometimes we fall back in with like Poor me, I'm tired because it's exhausting doing and doing and doing and trying to prove over and over that we're good enough. We're needing to be noticed because of the struggles we have or notice me because I got out of the struggles. But regardless, it's still about the struggles. Whereas thriver mindset, this is the highest energetic level. This is creative expression as a lifestyle. It's always expanding. There are no limits here. Thriver mindset is non-resistance, inner belief and calmness and trust. You can call it faith. It feels more like life happens for me, not to me out of my control, but more like things easily manifest. I feel good about who I am and I don't need to justify or get anyone else's opinion. I just am and that's okay. You know those times when you just feel good and content with no worries? Maybe you're with an animal or a baby or you're out in nature. That's the peace feeling of 
being in a thriver mindset. There's a lot of joy. It's a relaxed state of being. Even when you're under pressure, there's a a certain knowingness um, that's present. It's fully breathing naturally. You're you're coming from self-love and appreciation versus self-judgment and worry. You don't need to prove anything. It's like a sense of self-belief. You have boundaries and a backbone. Whereas in this state, you're kind to others and you do it from a place of authenticity versus needing recognition for it. So I often say, if you want to know if you're being generous for the right reasons, I'm making little quotes in the air here, consider doing whatever generosity you're doing anonymously where no one, and I mean no one, not even your spouse or your best friend will ever know about it and see if you still want to do it because victims and survivors do those things for various levels of validation and approval, whereas thrivers do it for self-satisfaction. Uh, and they don't need the recognition from it. In a thriving uh, mindset, you feel like you are in full control of your results and you take full ownership of all your results. But the key is that you see the unwanted results, the things that you you know, you know don't like, as opportunities to grow from. <clears throat> and yeah, you still make mistakes and feel frustrations and have preferences that aren't always met because you're human and that's life. But it's how you choose to respond and react to those results that show up for you. But nothing is considered a bad experience in this mindset in the form of judgment. It might be uncomfortable and not your first choice. But the belief is that there's always something good to come from any of it. Either you learn from it, you grow from it, or you let it fuel you to keep going. You have the sting, but you keep moving on, right? It doesn't diminish who you are or or, or what you're worth. This is the place of interdependence. Now, interdependence is where we know that if you're independent, you can do these things over here, and that's amazing. I'm also independent, and I can do some of those things and also some of these things over here. But if we come together, there's so much more than just what each of us can accomplish alone. That's interdependence. It's not a competition. It's co-creation. It's being a team. Thriving mode is where flow happens. Thriving is being more than doing. We're in creation mode, building and replenishing to having more than enough versus spending all we have, money and energy and things. We don't depend on others for our, our needs, nor do we feel like we have to do everything ourselves. It's just this nice balance. We co-create together. We live by personal excellence and go beyond discomforts. We don't need external validation to feel good enough. We come from a place of inner validation and we treat others the same way. The doing in a thrive state has a flow versus a desperation or a rush to it. Inner knowing shows up as grace and meaningful actions in interactions. We all have moments in each of these mindsets. You know, we're human, so we're not going to just stay thriving and, and zen out and <laughs> dissipate into the ethers or whatever. Whichever one we're in, if we are aware of it, we can consciously choose another way. And that's why thrivers thrive, because once they notice it, they don't allow themselves to stay in a victim or survivor mindset for very long. 
Whichever mode you spend the most time in, that's where you're going to build the momentum and stay. That's where the habits are formed and that's where you kind of get stuck if it's not serving you. So to break the cycle of being in any of those two lower mindsets, you have to start doing things differently. And that feels uncomfortable at first. But if you want a new normal, you have to just keep at it. Just like the habits that don't currently serve you. You've done them repeatedly long enough so that they've stuck, right? When things get tough, when the discomforts show up, our minds are masters at coming up with all kinds of reasons and excuses why not to keep going and why to stay in the place we don't want to stay in. And when that happens, remember this, your mind will always give up or quit before your body does which is the precise time to take action because that's when it will rewire your brain so it takes you further next time. The best example I have of this was years ago when I was taking karate. We were doing warm-ups and it was in the summer in a gymnasium and there was no AC. And if you know what a gi is in martial arts, you have to wear a uniform and it's white, long pants and long sleeve shirt and the the one that I had it was like that heavier fabric and it's kind of uncomfortable and awkward to wear um, and especially when there's no AC in the summer w- we were sweltering and we had done multiple laps and push-ups and sit-ups and we're all huffing and puffing and I just remember feeling like rubber and our sensei the the leader he's the you know the master and he's like multiple level or sorry multiple degree black belt and he would walk around and he had this stance to him that was very like perfect posture solid guy you couldn't you know you couldn't push him over with a with a truck like he was just he had confidence like like I've never seen and he would you know he's yelling out okay last 10 so at this point now it's a countdown and so now now there's an expectation of of knowing how much we have left so we do the 10 laps we do the 10 sit-ups just mustering everything I could to do the last one. So picture yourself in a in a push-up position. You're parallel to the ground and your face is like just a few inches away. And I am just sweating and it's just gross because like there's a puddle under my face that's dripping off and it's just, it's, you know, it's not elegant and ladylike by any means, but it was just like, we are getting through this. And I can hear the grunts and the the, the labored breathing all around me. Um, knowing that we're all, you know, we're all feeling the pain. And um, I can see Sensei's feet. So when you wear your gi, you don't wear anything on your feet. You have bare feet. And I can see his bare feet sort of walking around. And big times victim and survivor mode are kicking in. So here's the victim in me is like, this sucks. I hate it. He's not doing it. Oh, look at him. So, you know, judge, 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 judging. I'm totally judging. And then when I'm getting down to like, four, three, two left. Now I'm in survivor mode. I'm like, I can do this. I got this. I'm a survivor. And I'm thinking like, no way that I'm not going to do it. And everyone else is going to do it. I'm at the end. I'm in competition mode in my head, surviving. I'm thinking about how I'm going to retell the story at dinner of how awesome I was. And so I'm totally in this surviving mode, uh, thinking all about myself and, um, you know, needing that, imagining that external validation that I'm going to get get down to the second one. And I'm just like, I am so spent and so exhausted, but I know I can do these last, last one or two. Sensei's feet wobble over and like right in front of me. 
and he stops not on purpose in front of me but just like I was at the point where he was now addressing all of us and I'm like his feet are really near my face and he's got those like wiry gray hairs growing out of his big toes and I'm just like I'm I'm just like I'm everything is very magnified I'm noticing every smell every you know everything I see and the feeling every muscle in my body is killing me we get to the last one and he yells out 10 more push-ups and it was just like gasps of disbelief from everyone I was like are you freaking kidding me of course you would never say that out loud in my head I was doing this a million thoughts and emotions raced through my head in a split second but guess what happened we did it we somehow had 10 more in us and no one died (laughs) um the only words he said when we actually finished and we're all lying there like just rubber um, was you always have more and of course he said it in that like master way where i was shocked and humbled and i you know and i thought about like the the thought went off myself and my own recognition and it went to the perseverance and you know, the fact that we all did it, we're all here together, you know, we made it through as a team, but also how, what he must have gone through in his years, his lifetime dedication to the degrees of black belt that he was, I was on my third stripe of my white belt or some damn thing. And it was just, it kind of put me in my place, but it also gave me this most valuable lesson whether it's working out, finishing a project to your best level, getting out of a bad or toxic situation when our self-worth is really low, or simply making our bed in the morning. If you can recognize discomfort, those things that are like, I don't feel like it, it's not fun, I don't understand it, I don't like it, I'm tired, it hurts, I don't deserve it, I'm scared, whatever it is. If you can recognize that stuff as simply limiting constructs of your mind, then you can push past it. And when you do, you feel like, like freaking superhuman, you feel so good. And that's how you redefine your limits those limits that were nothing more than truths that we chose to believe in and we haven't challenged since we've had to step up to them again. So when you're stuck, ask yourself the magic phrase, what would excellence do? And let that fuel you to take another action. And then you're because your mind will search for solutions and then tell your body what to do because you always know what to do. We always know, right? So the question from the very beginning, are affirmations actually helpful or are they kind of bullshit? What do you think? So let me first state that communication is so much more than just spoken words, as I'm sure you know. It's tone, gestures, intention, and in self-communication, it's also the things we're thinking about. It's our thoughts. And that said, to affirm, um, according to the dictionary, is to maintain as true, to confirm to assert solemnly and to express agreement with or commitment to. So obvious, right? The question now is no longer are affirmations helpful, but more like what affirmations or truths are you affirming to yourself right now? When we're told, you know, state what you want as if you have it right now and go look in the mirror and say, I am a millionaire, I am a millionaire. (laughs) I mean, then it shall be true. But if we're communicating that with words, 
And then with thoughts, if we're communicating in our head, um, I don't think so, then we're kind of just canceling that out, aren't we? And now, now we're back at square one. The best thing you can do is notice what in fact are you affirming to yourself day in and day out. Not what you're trying to show other people you are or should be, but what are you actually thinking about? You have to know what the background self-communication is in your mindset so you can challenge those beliefs before you create new affirmations that are actually going to have any weight in building momentum. So yes, affirmations are very important, but you got to know what you're um, affirming now in your mind and challenge it. Then start taking those actions from a thriver mindset. And you know what, after that affirmations, like soon what you affirm will start to change on its own. It's kind of a, it's kind of a cool thing. There's the more effort you put in now becomes less effort later. What I have come to learn is that everyone, including you, is able to change their mindset, change their results, and change what seemed out of reach or impossible to become reality. I, oh, I have had the tremendous honor of working with people in various levels of desperation come to me for coaching, some from the bottom of the victimist victim mode, and they changed their mindsets, they recreated what they've been affirming to themselves that was limiting and have become some of the most awe-inspiring, inspirational people that I've had the privilege to know. I actually have goosebumps right now. It's it's, it's so incredible. All I can say is, you know, when you break through to a new learning or a new level of some sort in your life, and all of a sudden you see something so clearly that you were just kind of blind to in the past, you know that it's like that humbling moment of realizing, wow, I was so stuck in limiting myself, defending all those beliefs that didn't serve me. Well, I want to tell you that for me, what I've experienced personally and what I've witnessed, I can tell you there are no limits. There is no impossible and we are the only thing holding ourselves back. So when I say I believe in you at the end of every social media post and blog and video and podcast, it's not just a thing to say, it's a real truth for me that I wish for you as well to see beyond self-imposed limits and limiting perspectives. Ask yourself this week, a hundred times, what would excellence do and see what changes for you. I believe in you. Thanks so much for listening. If you know someone who would love this podcast, please share it with them. And in the meantime, give me a follow so you don't miss any episodes of your own. Until next time, this is Jennifer Merrifield, personal excellence mentor and coach, wishing you an extraordinary day.